Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so happy to be with you once again on this uh, Wednesday, May the 20th of 2020, as we are recording these podcasts uh, and they are going out. We're so glad that you have taken out of your time to join us and be with us. This week, we began a new series on Monday uh, concerning the fourth man. And uh, we uh, we have been laying down the groundwork uh, for what we are going into and we are heading into making the connections and, and speaking what, what the Lord is saying between Revelation and Daniel. These two books are, are so close together. You need to understand one to understand the other. And so that's what we're trying to do. And we just thank the Lord. Uh, for the the deep the deeper things of God that He's taken us into, and I'm ready for what God has for us today. It's always a pleasure, as I always say, to be with the panel, our brother Fernando and brother Marty, to study the Word of God together. Brother Marty, I'll leave it up with you. I'm excited about what God has for us today, and uh, um, I'll leave it with you. Praise the Lord. We're going to be continuing our study on the fourth man in the fire. Today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 2. And so if you have your Bibles, please open them to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to explore some things. We talked yesterday about the the first test uh, that that Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Daniel went through as they're being prepared ultimately for what we're headed to which is Daniel chapter 3, where the image of gold will be set up and the whole world would be required of that time to, to fall down and worship it, the, the image that Nebuchadnezzar had, had set up. And so, as we've been discussing, these are foreshadows, prophetic types hidden within the historical narrative that is plain history that is recorded in the Bible of what would happen at the end of time, which we believe we are fast approaching those days and quite possibly have entered into the time that we call, or Jesus called actually, in Matthew 24, verse 8, the beginning of sorrows. And so we talked about their ability to pass through the first test yesterday. And the reason that we're looking at it and, and looking at their particular lives is because those of you who are very familiar with the famous story of, of the fiery furnace of the three Hebrew children, what we are examining in light of what the book of Revelation reveals will be a persecution like of a fiery furnace that comes upon the end time church uh, motivated by the false prophet and the Antichrist is the ultimate fulfillment of of the first time something like that happened, um, which we see in Daniel chapter 3, which we'll get to tomorrow. But we began to examine and have have the question asked or posed what kind of events and what kind of experiences um, did they have in their lives so that when they reached the time where their their very lives were, were at stake and, uh, and when they were going to be required to either accept uh, the image or reject the image, before they even get to that point, there is a whole host of things that the Holy Spirit is placed in the Word of God that revealed to us the kind of quality and spiritual development and character that was evolving, spiritually speaking, in their lives and hearts since even way before they were in captivity. 
And so that's what we began to explore. And, and I want to begin today um, uh, by reading uh, Daniel chapter 2. Before I do that, I wanted to make a clarification. I think it was Monday. Um, uh, it was pointed out to me that I, I, I misspoke concerning the <laughs> concerning the president of the United States in an interview that he did concerning the vaccine that he claims will have uh, for this pandemic virus by January of 2021. He, in his interview, he talked about how he was mobilizing the entire United States military and other forces uh, to assist in uh in 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 uh, making that vaccine available to the entire country and so i threw in the words the president's going to force us to take uh this vaccine but he never said that and so i just wanted to clarify he didn't say he was going to force us I, I i misspoke in that sense i didn't i didn't report it correctly I think what I was thinking when I said that was you don't assemble the entire military and talk about other forces and you're going to, you know, implement this vaccine for the entire country. He said everything, but, you know, he, he fell short just of saying we're going to make you take this thing. So I think that's right. what I was thinking when I was talking like that. So I just want to clear it up. Indeed, they are mobilizing the entire military and other forces, whatever that means. They want to make a vaccine available to the entire population of America, 300 million plus people. And uh, I don't know how they're going to do that, but um, but that's what they're talking about. So I just want to be accurate in what we talk about. So I thank the listener for pointing that out to me and, uh, and, 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 and we'll go on from there. So we're going to begin today in Daniel chapter two. We're going to look at the second test, the second test and, and why it's significant. In Daniel chapter 2, I'm just going to read these first two verses. It says, and in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, verse 1, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. So there we are. So what I want to, amen, can you say amen? Amen. <laughs> so, amen. What I, I want to look at here is, and what we're going to go through today is the second test. Uh, we've gone through the first chapter yesterday. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But now here we come to the second test of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chapter opens up in a very interesting way, and we can glean some things here that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us uh, as he had Daniel write and record this. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. And I want to point this out uh, because the words, the, the, the second year doesn't mean the second year of his reign. Uh, it doesn't mean the second year of his kingship. Remember in, in chapter 1, uh, verse 5, we're told that the children of, of Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel went through a three-year process in Babylon being prepared to stand before the king. So when you read Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, and it begins in the second year, um, this isn't referring to the in-between part of, of the three years mentioned in chapter 1. This has to be understood from the perspective uh, of, of how it's written and, and what history reveals to us, 
what the second year actually is and what it, what it what it means is that it is the second year after the full and total destruction of the temple and the destruction of Judah. Remember that the destruction of Judah and the temple took place in three phases. This is very significant, prophetically speaking. In the first verse, we're told it's in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, chapter 1, verse 1, that Nebuchadnezzar came down and besieged Jerusalem. That was the first incursion. But Nebuchadnezzar had already been in power, and he comes to power, and, and he, he sends his forces. And, and what we're told there is only part uh, of, the, uh, of the children of Israel were taken captive, part of the vessels of the temple were taken captive, and, and, uh, and the king Jehoiakim. By the time the ultimate destruction takes place, uh, you'll be able to read that in Second Kings 25, verse 7. Uh, that is that is uh, some <laughs> almost 18 years later from verse 1, chapter 1, to chapter 2, verse 1, is about an 18-year period. And it's important to understand as we go in the flow of what God is revealing, by the way that he constructs the information that he's giving to us in the prophet Daniel's writings, there are things we can learn from that. So it's important to point out, and the rabbis confirm this, by the way, and you can go to different websites and, and check this out, but the second year means after the full and total destruction of the temple and the destruction of Judah. So remember, the judgment came in three phases, like we said, and, and, and sadly, it, it concludes, actual destruction of the temple and Jerusalem itself finally concluded with Zedekiah the king, in chains, and his children all were killed in front of him. And, and Brother Jeremy, can you turn over there? I think it's Second Kings, yeah. uh, the book of Second Kings, just so you can confirm what I'm saying here. Yeah. The, the third phase, the final judgment that would come upon Judah and the temple um, ends in the most tragic of ways. In Second Kings chapter 25, Brother Jeremy, uh, yes. If you could read, if you could read to us verse seven, what okay. it says. It says, and they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and put out the eyes of Zedekiah, and bound him with fetters of brass, and carried him to Babylon. And thus we reach the conclusion of, of the great nation of Israel. It ends with their monarchy, the, the, the representative of, uh, of their people of Judah, uh, having to witness his children slain in front of his eyes, and then his eyes are, are burned out, and he's placed in chains and carried away uh, to Babylon. It's a very sad symbolism. You know, it, 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 it's hinting at the result of of what is coming upon a failed leadership because it's very symbolic of what's happening to the compromised church in the West. Many things have been happening to it and yet it refuses to repent. Even as we have entered in, we were talking about this before we started the podcast today, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremy, we're, we're bringing out some very important points. Uh, why don't you share a little bit of that, Brother Fernando, what you were saying to your family yesterday, what you were seeing. 
concerning, uh, you know, the signs that have already been given ahead of time before this pandemic occurred? Yeah, I was talking to them, uh, you know, we were talking about the pandemic and um, things that are coming upon uh, the world and in particular our nation. And I told them, look, we've always had, you know, uh, pestilences, we've had persecution, we've had all these things, you know, uh, happen throughout history. Um, What what makes this very uh, different is that it's never happened in this nation. As it, as it has been happening the last few years with, uh, you know, we, a couple of years ago, we had, uh, we were talking about the, the hurricane season. It was historic, a historic uh, hurricane season that came to the shores of America. Um, yeah. Also the signs in the heavens, you know, the, the, we, 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 we spoke about that in, in uh, uh, a series of podcasts uh, that we titled what in the world's going on. And I want the listener to go, to listen to those and see how it lines up with what's taking place today. Um, it's a series on, on our website that you can go listen to um, that we did a few years ago. Uh, we also had uh, historic violence, if you remember, uh, taking yeah. place in, in, in America. But uh, I said, this is, this is what is hard to fathom, you know, that these things, that persecution, you know, that, that uh, natural disasters, this pandemic, is coming to America, you know? And yeah. what, what makes it very interesting is that America is what holds this whole world together economically. So if yeah. this nation falls economically, it'll send shockwaves through the whole world. And that's why everybody is on edge, you know? So yeah. th- I, that's what I was telling my family. I said, this is what's hard to comprehend, you know? Not this nation, nobody ever would have thought, not America, but yeah. Right. We we are there. It's what you were talking about, right? Uh, yes. Babylon came in three excursions and and completely yes. destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Are we there? Are we at the precipice of this? I believe we are, and we're about to begin to see things come to this nation of the likes we've never seen before or imagined. Yes. And that is what's hard to believe for many people here in America, Christians in the West as though we're exempt from anything that's happening outside of this country to our to our brothers throughout the world. No, we're not. This is so true. Jesus said Jesus said if 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 they hated him, then they will hate you also. Mm-hmm. So that that that's what we were talking about yesterday and, and going along with what we're saying today. Yeah, and, and and I wanted you to share that because that's the feeling that we have here. When we pick up the second chapter um, a captivity has already occurred many years before. It was an ongoing, right. unfolding judgment that kept occurring, and it came in three phases. I think that the United States entered the first phase, the beginning of sorrows, if you will, um, at the falling of the Twin Towers, the Pentagon's, you know, thing. Uh, they got blown up the Pentagon, the thing, the Pentagon got blown up by that plane that crashed into it. The two towers came tumbling down and into a pile of dust. I think that that was the beginning of, of the captivity for our nation and the world, because as we talked about it yesterday, and we're looking at prophetic parallels now. So, so those Brother of you, Marty, are, let me, let me, yes, let, me let me bring this point out too. 
because mm-hmm. we've been talking about leading up to these podcasts about the unseen realm, the unseen world that we wrestle yeah. not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of darkness of this world. This this is what was taking place in the background uh, as we read the book of Daniel, and, and the Lord later reveals to Daniel through vision. It's these yes. these powerful forces, right? And 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 if you remember, and I want the people to make this connection, when nine eleven took place, our our political leaders began to say and use words like, "We are facing an unseen enemy." <laughs> yes. Right. That's and right. then when the pandemic came. The president said, I heard him, he said, we are facing an invisible or an unseen enemy. Yes. Think about that for a moment now. That's powerful. And they are correct in that. They are correct in that. It is an unseen enemy. It is an invisible enemy that we're up against that is bringing the globe, right, uh, 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 together yes. uh, for for the rising advent of this man of sin. So I just want, I want the listener to, to, to just uh, pay attention to that. Yeah, and that's important because that that's what we're revealing, or I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to us uh, in in the three-phase judgment that took place on Judah. Uh, because it began with an initial captivity in chapter 1, verse 1, right? And then because it comes down, there's an initial captivity that begins to take place. And remember, this is, uh, as we'll see in, in chapter 2, verse 1, and the reason we pointed it out is because it's important to understand the flow of the Holy Spirit and how he reveals uh, the, the the secret or mysterious component to biblical prophecy in metaphor and parallel. And, and, and this is more than just allegory, which are all, you know, fancy words, but, but basically what you read in the historical account is foretold to be the reality that will be full fledged in full fledged flight just before the coming of the Lord. In other words, we'll see the same pattern begin to emerge, and we are indeed seeing that. So like we said earlier, uh, we believe that, or I do, uh, and I know the brothers probably concur with this, was that the initial incursion or the initial captivity has already been seen, and I think it occurred on 9-11. Because out of 9-11, and really what's interesting, because what Brother Fernando just pointed out, was that the forces behind the scenes, like we're talking about, like Paul said, we are not dealing with with flesh and blood here. We're dealing with with those that dwell in the unseen realm, the dimensions beyond the veil, if you will. Uh, you know, we're 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 demonic, and and uh, and heavenly activity occurs simultaneously to influence the nations of men. And so when you see something as extraordinary as a 9-11 take place, which shook the whole world, uh, it is, a, it is a, an indication of the great warfare uh, that brought it about. You know, you have to have some kind of, of struggle taking place uh, in order to bring about such devastation and death. And, and permission must be given for that to happen for the purposes of the fulfilling of prophecy. And those that can see, understand that that God is moving in the affairs of men and his prophetic word is beginning to unfold. If you will see it, especially in this country, we have not had a let up of any sort for real since 9-11. 
It's just that we've gotten so used to the outrageousness of life as we know it that it's almost as if we become numb to it. When when 9-11 took place and the towers came down, the entire world, like Brother Fernando pointed out, uh, be, uh, the, the leaders of the world uh, in the West especially said, we're, we're fighting against an unseen enemy. And whether they realized it or not, they were speaking prophetically. <laughs> they were literally yeah, revealing, right? Because many times they don't know. Even when, remember, uh, we'll give you an example of that in Scripture. When 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 Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, uh, and, and and then it set a whole ripple effect uh, in motion where it reached all the way up to the high priest and them boys, and they had a meeting, right? And they said, uh, they said, man, we got to do something about this Jesus, right? And they conspired how they were going to kill him because uh, because of this great miracle. And, and and it says that Caiaphas said it's better that one man dies for the whole nation. And John says there, he says, uh, this he did uh, uh, to fulfill prophecy. He didn't even know what he was saying, in other words, John said, but he was actually fulfilling prophecy with his words. So when you hear global leaders say things, like Brother Fernando pointed out, uh, you know, it's an unseen enemy. It's an invisible enemy. It's not like you and me saying it. I mean, these are the heads of state, right? So whether they realize it or not they're being moved to utter those words and it should be a signal to the children of god who are with the lord in spirit and have been with him and cultivating that relationship with him for some length of time it alerts us to understand we have entered into days that that quite possibly are the days that have been foretold by the by the great hebrew prophets of old and so when we look at the scripture this way this is what we're saying. And I believe that 9-11 was the beginning of that first captivity because out of it came uh, the beginning of what we call now the <laughs> the surveillance state, right? In the, in America, mm-hmm. we passed the, the Patriot Act. And if you remember, all, and the Democrats were all up in arms when, when, <laughs> when that happened because they still had some, some residue of the of the hippie generation going, oh, man, it's the man, right? It's the man, the man's coming after. <laughs> but uh, but that's what they did. They began to monitor our phone calls, our, our, our mail, our email, and so forth and so on. But even before that, if you remember in the, in the late 80s, the technology revolution began to take place. And so by the time we get to the 21st century in the year 2000, 2001, when, when 9-11 took place, we have already seen the moving of a surveillance state uh, uh, occurring before 9-11. So when 9-11 happened, the framework to literally monitor the entire planet was already in place. People just didn't discern what was happening. And then 9-11 became the, uh, the catalyst that drove uh, the, the, the Western powers that be to begin to to use the technology already in place to begin surveilling the people, whether it was Facebook accounts or, or, or whatever that would, that would come and grow into greater length, it began then. The first captivity, in essence, came to the United States. And what once would have been an outrageous thing to think, that your government would know everywhere you go, everything you spend, everything you check out of the library or everything you purchase at the grocery store and every phone call you make, every text message you send, that would have never been allowed by the founding fathers. <laughs> but, right. but 
once, once we reach this state, um, we would have never thought that kind of thing could have come to our country. But now, in comparison, that Patriot Act is, is, is pretty minimal <laughs> compared to what they're doing now. So the first captivity took place, and here we come to uh, chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, now it's in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar that he has this dream. And as we talked about, that it occurred, it, it occurred in three phases. And remember, like we said, it concluded with Zedekiah in chains. This is not an easy thing to say. And his children were slain before him. His eyes were burned out. It is very symbolic, very sad, and, and the symbolism of it, of what is coming. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. A, a, a leadership is going to be held to account, and they are going to witness the fruit of their rebellion. This second year is actually the 18th year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. It is the second year from the time that he destroyed Jerusalem and, and, and burned the eyes out of Zedekiah. That's what Daniel meant. It was two years after that event that he has this dream. But what's very sad to me is the symbolism because <laughs> it's, it's hinting at the result of, of, of really what's coming upon a failed leadership in, in, in that which purports to be the spiritual leadership of a nation. The captivity yeah. will be completed, and the children will be slain, and the eyes of, of sight will be taken, and, and it will etch in the memory, I think, uh, a permanent vision of mental and spiritual images of utter ruin because of the sin and the failure of a nation to heed the warnings of the Lord, though he sent his prophets early. And even when they began to experience judgment, they were so callous, so compromised, so unlike the God they claimed to serve, that with each incremental incursion into their generation, they were, they were systematically being judged until ultimately they were no more. And they were completely under captivity. And the leadership that led them in that way, they had to witness their children be slain by the very spirit that they invited into their nation. His prophets had warned them. And, 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 and the second year is actually, like I said, 18 years after the first captivity, the second time that he took more people, and then the third time we just talked about. But also what's very interesting here, brothers, is not only was Jerusalem's destruction complete now, but the expansion of Nebuchadnezzar uh, was now complete, his kingdom. In other words, uh, when we read the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in that period of time after he finally destroyed Judah, and, and, and literally wiped them off the face of the map and brought them into captivity under his kingdom. He also had, if you study history, uh, that's when he kind of solidified power and became a global empire. He was on the rise and very powerful, but at the, at the destruction of the temple, the putting out of the eyes of Zedekiah, the carrying away in chains, his children being slain before him, 
the destruction complete. He not only completed his destruction over Judah, but he now also uh, defeated other nations in the known world of that time to where he now ruled um, the entire world of that day. And this is important to understand because uh, now comes the dream, the dream that he's about to have, which is what we're going to look at a, a little bit. Uh, because the, it, it was, it, it is after global rule is established that this massive dream he has is unfurled, and and it, and and we'll and we'll talk about that, but <clears throat> and and we'll see what what does this really reveal? What is the Holy Spirit trying to tell us here by pointing out these dates, these times, and the things we're talking about? Because remember, chapter two's dream account. Uh, it's going to give way to chapter 3, which is the unveiling of the golden image, a, a type uh, a, 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 of, of the wicked one that's to come, the Antichrist and his system. The same is going to happen here. The, his, the history is going to replay itself in the not too many distant uh, years. But what's being revealed to us here is the progression. There's a captivity. And then there's an additional two captivities resulting in the solidifying of the global empire. Then comes an unveiling of the history of all empires and the second coming of the Lord. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. But remember, chapter two's dream account is going to give way to chapter three, which is the unveiling of the golden image. So <laughs> what I believe is being revealed is, is that in, in these end-time days, the global state that we're witnessing, like Nebuchadnezzar's reign, uh, his reign reached a zenith, if you will. It was like a, it was a quick progression, though, 18 years, which for, for those of you out there that, 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 that think weird, you know, it's divisible by three, right? 18 divided by three is, 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 the, is the number of the beast. But that's, you know, that's kind of reaching for it. But still, I just find it interesting, right? So, so <laughs> the, global, the global state, like Nebuchadnezzar's reign, has reached its zenith. And, and in our time, the same thing is happening right now. I think we're coming up under what we're going to see first. What I think the Holy Spirit is revealing is that we're going to see that the global state come into existence. It's going to flourish. And it's going to be allowed to become. And, and there's all that we talked about preceding it. If you have ears to hear by the Spirit, you know what I'm saying. The global state, like Nebuchadnezzar's reign, will reach a zenith, and it, it's going to be a quick progression to a fully controlled realm like his. That's what we're seeing coming. It's already here. The nuts and bolts just need to be tightened, and, and a few things are, are happening behind the scenes. But it, we ain't going back. Trust me. See, there's a whole bunch of people just before Judah was completely destroyed, like we read about Zedekiah. There was a whole bunch of false prophets in there saying, we're going back to our glory years. We're going to rise up and, and this whole thing's going to go away. And, and the kings that were taken captive over there are going to come back and all the treasures are going to come. That's what they're saying right now. We're going to go back. I heard, I heard the president the other day talk about we're, we're in a transition to greatness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to comment on that, but that gives you an idea. It's the same thing. It's a false prophecy. Because whether we experience a modicum of, of some sort of economic re renewal 
it's not going to last because it's not in the word. So it's a fully controlled realm before this dream is unveiled. So chapter two, therefore, is a foreshadow. And I'm just laying some groundwork. It, it, it's a key for it is, it is uh, once that this prophetic history is going to be revealed in chapter two, the dream account, then comes chapter three, like we're saying. Uh, and, and in our day, once global control is achieved, it is going to be quickly followed by the unveiling of the Antichrist, the false prophets, the mark of the beast, the image, the whole nine yards, right? And you can study about that in Revelation 13, the revelation of Jesus Christ, 13, verse 5 through 18. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, because that's what this whole chapter is about. What do we learn from it? We need to ask these questions. And um, it reveals uh, that what is coming, his dream that he has in chapter 2, reveals to us that what is coming will be hidden from the world and hidden from the compromise. Because Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and, and he's troubled, and he calls all his counselors because he wants someone to, 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 to make his dream known. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy, in chapter 2, verse 10 and 11? What did they tell him? He says, I had a dream, and I want you to make me know what the dream is. And what did they tell him? The, Ch the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asketh such things at any, at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king require it. And there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And verse 12 says what? For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. All right, so again, he has this dream. He, it leaves him, and he wants to know what it is, and he calls his most trusted advisors. Um, but what are we seeing here? What is this a type of? Although it really happened, what is it a type of in the future? It is exactly what Brother Jeremy always quotes, which I really like, as I always say, is one of my favorite scriptures, too. It, what what the angel Gabriel revealed to Daniel in the last days was that none of the wicked will understand what's actually happening, but the wise will understand. And that pattern we're about to see. See, he calls all these guys and they tell him, we can't do what you want us to do. We can't reveal what you want us to reveal. Uh, it's impossible. But what we're seeing there, and we know later it's not impossible. But what we're seeing there is that none of the wicked will understand. Now, listen. So as we read in Daniel 2, verse 1, right, that in the second year he has this dream, it also gives us an insight to something. And, and what I'm going to talk to you about right now is very interesting, and, and I hope you, you understand what I'm saying, because it affects what happens to the king. Remember, we just laid out the historical uh, context of it is that when he finally establishes his global empire, it is then that he has this dream. And, and it gives us an insight into what begins to happen to him. Because what he saw, which later Daniel is going to reveal to him, 
was the unfolding history of the whole history of, of mankind and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ back to the earth to set up the kingdom of God on, on the earth. He saw it all. And it wasn't revealed to him until after he had established global domination as as the chief global empire of the known the known world of that day. And so it's very important because it gives us an insight to of a deep process of transition that's going to take place. Because remember, it's after this whole unfolding of what is going to be revealed to him here in chapter 2 that it gives way to chapter 3. He goes from being a troubled guy in chapter 2 to being a megalomaniac in chapter 3 where he builds an image and demands worship. Like he's the man, right? Well, this right. is a this is a foreshadow of, of the Antichrist and his his process. Because remember, the Antichrist doesn't become the Antichrist right away. That's what many people don't understand. You know, he doesn't become the Antichrist right away. He's a man who transitions and becomes fully possessed, the son of perdition. We see a type of that at the Last Supper, like we talked about several podcasts ago, when Judas, it is said, after taking the piece of bread that, from his master Jesus, eats the bread, it says something very profound there. It says, and Satan entered into him. Until then, right. he had been influenced by demonic power, but after that, he literally becomes possessed by the devil himself. And so in Judas, we see a type of the Antichrist and how we see him transition from being just Judas to now being fully possessed by Satan himself. It is a foreshadow of what will happen to the Antichrist. He's a man, but he transitions and becomes the Antichrist. Brother Jeremy, I just want to show you, if we have a moment here, to take a look at, at the process that God reveals of the transition that takes place, like it will with Nebuchadnezzar, so it will with the Antichrist in in the future. Could you open to Isaiah chapter 10, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Okay. Because something really interesting, and it's imp I'm just going to point this out so you'll see uh, when, when we conclude tomorrow in part three, uh, part four, actually is tomorrow yeah, uh, we, yeah when we get into chapter three tomorrow what we're going to see that's where we'll go full force now and the fourth man in the fire will be revealed because that's what this is titled and and i think as we've been seeing by the grace of god and for the glory of the lord this whole story that we've been on this journey this week is far more filled with depth and insight and understanding that we can't possibly exhaust but we pray that it's beginning to stimulate um, some some levels of, of curiosity, at least, in the Word of God and in the prophetic times in which we live. Because we're revisiting some very, very well-preached over passages of the Bible, right, over the years. They preach all kinds of stuff out of these chapters, but not in this way. Not in the unique way that the Spirit of God is beginning to reveal it to his church. Not, not, and we're not talking about us. I'm just, as he's revealing it to, to his church all over the world. Now, with that in mind, there's a transition that takes place um, in, in, from, from man to, to Antichrist. And there's many names that are given to the Antichrist. You know, he's known as the son of perdition. He's known as that wicked one. Uh, he's known as the, <laughs> the son of the devil. He's known as the beast. 
but he's also known as a nut by another name. And, and God uh, had Isaiah call him the Assyrian. He's known as the Assyrian. And there's reasons for that. We ain't got time to get into it. But with that in mind, and what we're talking about is the transition that happens from man to Antichrist. Can you read that? Uh, because that's who he's talking about here in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 5. Brother Jeremy, can you read um, to verse 7? Yes. O Assyrian, the rod of my anger and the staff in their hand is my indignation. I will send them against an hypocritical nation. And against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets or the myrrh of the streets. How mire, be that's it? right. How mire, be it? Okay. Now, wait, read this slow. Read this slow because he, he says, but before that happens, this is speaking of the Antichrist, before he sends them uh, against the people of his wrath, Know who he's going to judge. He's talking about the end times here. Something he 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 shows in verse seven how the antichrist doesn't even have that in his heart yet, but it will enter him. That's what he means here when he says, "How be it, what, brother Jeremy? How be it?" He meaneth not so. Neither doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. So that is what's going to happen. He's going to transition. It won't be in his heart at first. He meaneth not so, and neither does his heart think so. He's, he's a certain way. But then Isaiah reveals to us, it will be in his his heart. And notice what he does. Uh, it, it, once his heart becomes filled with that beast from the bottomless pit, right? Suddenly his heart... Uh, does begin to think uh, that way, and he moves to destroy and and take take the whole planet for his possession. Now go back to, are you following me? Yes. <laughs> go back to, to Daniel chapter 2, because this is where that transition period begins to happen to Nebuchadnezzar. He starts out as a man troubled by what he's seeing. By the time we get to chapter 3, he's the Antichrist. <laughs> He's an brother, antichrist. Go ahead. Brother, I, man, I hope I'm not off, but I, I just feel like I, I see a connection there from Revelation 13. What, like, for example, when it talks about he's wounded or he has a wound, and mm -hmm. I was I was studying that, and it means to be afflicted, a yeah. heavy affliction that comes which would, which which is what happens to uh Nebuchadnezzar because he's afflicted when he sees this dream, right? And That's like right. you're saying maybe he didn't think about it, you know, but after that it enters into his heart to make an image. And we see yes. here in in Rebel, I don't know if that's a connection, but it says his deadly wound was healed and all the world then wondered after the beast. And that's where the beast worship begins. So I don't know. I was just trying to see if that was a connection no. there, you know. Yeah, there is. There is a very much a a, a similarity, right? Yeah. Because because once we get to that beast, that Antichrist in Revelation 13, he is the one, right? All the others that have gone before him, with the exception of one, which is why you know, if you're interested, you know, those that are listening, go back and listen to the series on Nimrod and and uh, and the connection between Nimrod and the Antichrist. Because he's the one who who best 
uh, you know, embodies all of what seems to be the characteristics of the Antichrist. And what it, what's interesting as well is that there's no account given of Nimrod um, dying, <laughs> right? So that right. spirit continues, right? right? And, that, and that's why, what Brother Jeremy, what you're seeing, uh, yeah, absolutely. Nebuchadnezzar starts as troubled, but when he rises and has this revelation given to him by chapter 3, he's no longer troubled anymore. His deadly wound was healed. That's what you're saying, right, in a sense? Because yes. yes. it's true, because right after Revelation 13, 4 comes verse 5, where it says, and now a mouth is given to him. A surrendering, right. it has to be given to him, right? It's a yes. surrendering and where the human transitions to the demonic, and it's completely mm -hmm. controlled. That's what will happen to Nebuchadnezzar here. And isn't it interesting when you go into chapter 4 of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar becomes a full-fledged beast, right? With the heart mm -hmm. of a beast, the, the mind of a beast. But that's for another day. <laughs> so so you're right. So so what we're, what we're pointing out here and why we went over to Isaiah, because we want to show you what begins to happen. But notice this kind of transition doesn't begin to take place until until a global state is established and things begin to, the waters, if you will, begin to be troubled in the spirit realm because that's where he breaks into a dream. It says that Nebuchadnezzar in, in, in verse, uh, in, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, can you read that, Brother Jeremy, chapter 2, verse 1? Yes, Daniel, chapter 2, verse 1, okay. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. So already, and we know because we know the story, <laughs> we can read it, right, what he, what he actually dreamt. But the way uh, what is being revealed here, notice it's that he didn't just have one dream. He, he had a, a series of dreams, multiple dreams that night. And, and his spirit was troubled. The actual Hebrew uh, interpretation of that phrase, his spirit was troubled, me, it literally means this. Literally translated, it means his spirit pounded itself as if in his dream, his spirit was being lifted and pounded and lifted and pounded, crashing into itself. And we're talking about quite possibly the transition already beginning within the scope of what is being revealed to him in the spirit realm, in the realm of the dream world, in the realm of the real, in the realm where there is no time, in the realm uh, 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 of, of the dimension of the spirit. After his kingdom has been established as a global system and he's ruling over it, in, instantly he begins to have these, these attacks begin to occur on him. There seems to be a tremendous struggle over the very essence of his being, right. and and then it and then it says this: it says sleep left him. You know, both right. of these things in, indicate intense spiritual activity. You know, uh, no peace, but but chaos. That's really what Babylon means too, right? A troubling of the waters. And so, like we read earlier, he calls for his ministers of darkness to help him. Uh, read that verse too, would you, Brother Jeremy, when he wakes up? Then, then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans 
for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. So this is really interesting. Let's just let's just focus on this for a couple seconds, and we're getting close to 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 bringing part three to to a close. But but uh, what do we see here? Notice who. Once the kingdom has been established, he now has this incredible vision, which we all know, if you know the word, what it was. It was the entirety of human history, like we've already discussed. But when he wakes up, it's been taken from him. And and who does he call for? Right? Look at who he calls around him. <laughs> it's quite right. amazing. Right? And 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 when we read that in our time, we you know we don't get it because we're so we're so sophisticated now. But this is. This is the most demonically influenced mm-hmm. man on the planet. He's not possessed yet, but he is influenced in a great way. He really doesn't get fully possessed by a spirit of a beast until the fourth chapter, but that's 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 an addendum. But but the truth is is that you know these guys that he had around him, these these uh, magicians, really are, are are necromancers. Those who consult the spirits of the dead, um, sorcerers, those that are, that are, uh, you know, artists in the art of alchemy, really. And, and, and uh, it's where we get our, yeah. our, in the Greek, it's where we get our, our name pharmakia, right? <laughs> so, yeah, right. You know, they're like, the, they're like the drug dealers of the day. <laughs> and, uh, and then the magi. Which is, you know, what were you going to say, brother? You're yeah, cold. very much so. But but at a different way, you know, because when we say a cult in our time, we, we, we you know, I was People thinking about think, that the yeah. other day. You know, I, I was thinking maybe we should come up with a better way of expressing it because we're talking about a sophisticated level of dark intelligence. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't know how else to yes. say it. Because otherwise we conjure up, you know, uh, old, old pointy-chinned women with, with warts on their chin and, and a pointy black hat, right? Uh, right, stirring <laughs> yeah. a big black kettle. Right, that's what we think when we think of cult. <laughs> well, it was the science of that day. I would say like this: the astrologers. So. It, it was mm-hmm. the science of that time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yes. like, uh, yeah, I don't want to get into, but just like today, you know, our our NASA is heavily involved in that. You know what I'm saying? Very we call so. it science, but it's much right. deeper and darker than that. Well, you're right because it 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 requires the manipulation of, of forces, right? I mean, even right. even sending a rocket to the moon in, in, entails incredible chemistry. And and had that had you been a guy like that who could actually send rockets to the moon back in Nebuchadnezzar's day, I guarantee you, you would be the guy that uh, would be called one of those counselors that came to help him out there. Because what do we do when we when we do that, right? We're we're dealing with forces of nature. We have to break through the gravitational force of the planet. We have to use the physics of the universe to slingshot ourselves around the Earth. We have to have the right kind of coverings in order to uh, to get through the Van Allen belt, which is the radiation belt that's around the Earth, which protects us from the rays of the sun. You know, on and on and on. We have to send it off in the particular, precise mathematical uh, direction. In order that you know, if we're off a degree, we well, we could go off into space and never return. So this this requires an incredible manipulation of uh, of forces seen and unseen in order to make that happen. So you're right, brother Jeremy. They were like the high level scientists of their day. But think of the level that they're at. 
Because remember, in, in, in Pharaoh's Egypt, we've talked about this before, back during early March, you know, his magicians, his necromancers and sorcerers, and stuff, they were able to replicate three of the bona fide miracles that, that Moses used as proof that God had sent him. And so we're talking about an intelligence and an ability here that we have long lost our understanding of what kind of people these were and just how high level these people were that came that he called for. Again, we're not talking about the mayor of a city or, or the student council here, you know, or the governor of a state. We're talking about the ruler of the world. And so the people around him, especially of that day, were incredibly intense. But what we see in this, uh, you know, is that the dream is taken from him. He calls for these kinds of people to be around him. And and we're told that the, the counselors couldn't reveal it. It was impossible for them to reveal it. Uh, none of and, – and also remember we were talking yesterday about how the compromise from Judah – Remember Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah didn't want to eat from the king's table. I find it very mm -hmm. interesting because I think it's a foreshadow here. You know, not only can his guys not do it, but none of them boys who ate from the king's table in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5, could step forward like Daniel's about to, right? It, it's yeah. a foreshadow of, of the wicked. The, the, the result of this failure, also we learn from it, is it, 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 what it reveals uh, is that the enemy is going to take an occasion right now uh, to attack Daniel and the three Hebrew children. I think what we're being revealed in chapter 2, verse 1, by the agitation of his spirit, like you called it, the, uh, the, the, the thrusting of his spirit while he was dreaming these prophetic dreams, it, 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 it seems to be that as it says, the dream was taken from him. I think we can look at it in a way that implies that, that, that demonic forces didn't allow him to remember it because really it predicts their doom. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's good. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so the, and, and, and the opening of the inability of these men to interpret it was going to now Cause the attention of destruction and death to call out the wise men and Daniel and the three Hebrew children are about to come up under this. I think the devil was going to attempt to kill them. And and this is what we're going to see in, in, in verse 12 and 13. Would you read that, Brother Jeremy? How yes. does King react? Uh, yes. Yes. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. So here we go. It's it's ironic, and what the Spirit of God is revealing here is 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 the intricacies of spiritual warfare. They hadn't done anything. But what's happening here now is an attempt to to thwart or usurp prophetic fulfillment from going forward, not only in Nebuchadnezzar's time, but throughout the history that we've lived over the last four thousand years, man. <laughs> because right. because what Nebuchadnezzar right? 
what Nebuchadnezzar saw was the unfolding of every global empire unto the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so who does he go after? Who does this Antichrist spirit or the spirit that's, that has taken the dream from him? This is satanic because that's why the Holy Spirit had verse 13 where it says, and they sought for Daniel and his fellows to kill them. They were going after them. Their very lives were hanging in the balance, and, and it's an attempt to put away the only individuals that can reveal the dream. And in, mm-hmm. in, in essence, in our time, there is going to be a group of a glorious church remnant people on the face of the earth that are going to have these qualities which will continue to propel them forward. Because look what happens. Uh, It says, uh, notice again, like we're talking, the enemy tries to execute, have them executed before the dream is revealed. So a crisis situation emerges. And and I think what we're seeing here, because remember again, we're talking about this is the first time that Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom has been solidified as the exclusive global power. And we're talking about it as a foreshadow of the Antichrist B system coming into fruition before the revelation of the Antichrist himself. And and the result of these things are there's going to be a moment of crisis in it because attack is going to be directed at the true church. And it's already happening. You know what's interesting, brothers? My wife gave me a, a, an email today from China. And and I found it interesting because what we're talking about is the is the fiery furnace, right? And the and the coming of the fourth man, which is Jesus, um, Antichrist, and all that stuff we've been talking about. But they wrote this right. letter, and at the and at the end of the letter, it was a letter to the United States. Look what they said. And I just went, man, I got to share this with the audience. Got to share this with our brother. Uh, they conclude their letter this way: Please know that the Christians in China have been praying earnestly. earnestly for the believers around the world during this current pandemic. And listen to what they say. And we ask that you also please pray for us in China as we enter the furnace of affliction. Mm. They use the same, they're using the same terminology, right? They see a fiery furnace coming. That's what they see. Yeah. Right. God is talking around the world to his saints. And, and Daniel, what's interesting to me is, 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 is he goes to the king. Can you read verse 16, Brother Jeremy? Yes. It says, uh, then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Yes. So he goes, and, and, and what's what's powerful to me is, is number one, notice Daniel isn't freaking out here, right? It shows and exhibits the peace of God to me that passes understanding, man. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit. This is a vessel in the midst of crisis. He's not given to his emotions. He is spiritually mature. And so, again, we're being taught here the kind of spiritual quality that we're going to have to have vitally vibrant within our life, developed by the Spirit of God while we still have time. Because when the crisis comes, you're not going to have time to go seek that peace. (laughs) It's got to be in you, man, right? Right. Daniel doesn't freak out. 
but he also views it as an opportunity. And the, what he says, he says uh, uh, that he that he's going to show the king the interpretation. He didn't have no guarantee of that, right? <laughs> I'm going to show the king what he dreamt. This is a man right. who knows his God, right? He knows God. There's no hint of doubt here. It has been 18 years now since they were first taken captive. And now the whole world is under captivity. And now things are being turned up. And now his life is at stake. But those 18 years, remember when they refused to eat from the king's table, the Bible says that the favor of God came on them. Well, add an additional 15 years to that, and here we are. Imagine that 15 years of development. While we have time, we better be walking with God because these crisis moments are just ahead of us. But how he reacts is just incredible to me. And and, and it also includes his brothers. Because in verse 17 and 18, can you read that, Brother Jeremy, 17 and 18? Yes. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. In verse 19, might as well just read it. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Praise the Lord. So what are we seeing? We, we, we're seeing several things. One, again, we talked about it yesterday, a, 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 a chief and vital component of these last days for the body of Christ as we, as we enter into these days that are just ahead is going to be who you hang out with and, and, and who you hang out with in, in, in your relationship with God. We know that, that when they were first taken captive, they were just young men. This is this is uh, 18 years later, and, and they're still friends. <laughs> and now look at them. All four of them together are 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 integral pieces of of seeking God at a most crucial moment. And and notice they didn't freak out either when Daniel came home and said, "Hey, you better start praying because <laughs> I, I said we'd be right. able to do this thing, right?" No, no. <laughs> You know, man, these, yeah. these, these, this is the quality of church that's being developed right now and has been over the yeah. last several years. It's going to come forth. It's going to be positioned in, in crucial and strategic places uh, in, in, the, in the time of prophetic fulfillment, as we're witnessing now. And, and, and what we learn from them is, is that they go to prayer. Knowing how to seek God is going to be of utmost paramount importance in these times. They know how to seek God. Do you out there? Do you know how to get a hold of God at, at this level? I I don't think any of us could say yes right away. And if you did, well, then, then you start your own podcast. <laughs> we'll listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> no man. <laughs> but if it's in the word, that means it it's available when it's necessary. But you, you see they didn't have time to go figure out, you know, at a prayer uh, seminar, you know, for <laughs> for the weekend. <laughs> I mean, right, they had 24 hours, buddy, right? They had 24 hours. That's what they had. Maybe less. 
you know, because the king was ready to slaughter everybody. So they had less than 24 hours, man, and and uh, and they were able to get a hold of God, and 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 we're gonna need to understand that the secret is revealed, right? But he said that the secret was revealed. And what is that to us, right? What Jeremy, again, what he always quotes, it's it's the end time glorious church. Notice how the counselors couldn't understand or reveal, but the wise, right? The wise shall understand. And so look at look at what Daniel says in verse 20. He says, so Daniel answers after this thing is revealed. He says, blessed be the name of God forever and forever. For wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom, there's your scripture, Brother Jeremy, to the wise, right? Knowledge to them that, that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and the secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. I thank thee. I praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now, look at what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. My God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, see, this is that, that glorious church that's going to emerge in our time, right? Remember what Daniel revealed again was the destruction, the ultimate destruction of the devil's kingdom and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You guys can read it in chapter two, those of you that are listening, because he saw a stone that smites the image that Nebuchadnezzar uh, had a dream about. And that stone smites the image on the feet, which is the coming of the Lord at the end of human history. That's what was revealed to them. And, and, and what the Lord is saying to us in the pattern of, uh, and the parallel here is is just that it will be just as the end church uh the end time church is going to be the church of the wise that 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 Gabriel told Daniel would be alive at the end time and and we will have revealed to us the Lord will reveal to this true church that the lone, the Lord is soon to appear it is, it is it is this that is going to anchor the soul for the fiery furnace that's just ahead of them right that's why mm -hmm. they said look you know, whether you, <laughs> whether God delivers us now or not, it don't matter to us because we've seen the end. We read the end of the book. Oh, oh, man. I think it's start preaching like an old classic preacher, right? I've read the end of the book. <laughs> That's kind of what they were saying. Go ahead. Oh, don't matter. Don't matter. We've already seen the end, King. You know, so so that's what's going to get us through. You know, it's those that, that, that you know, that, that have, have that re revelation knowledge given to them. It's a spiritual development that is necessary for the days ahead. And, and we need to spend that time with the Lord. It's not an obligation. <laughs> it's a privilege. You, yeah. You're able to talk to the creator of the universe. I remember I used to hear that. You know, oh, you can talk to the creator of the universe. And I go, oh, that's nice. I mean, but no, man. I mean, you don't even understand those kinds of words unless you make the effort to pursue him. Because hmm. you are his child. And what's coming and what God is revealing to us are days that are most terrible, and we cannot avoid them. You're not going to be able to tap dance your way through this one. You're not going to be able to, you know, rely on your grandma's prayers for this one. All of us are going to have to be like these four, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Now, to close this out today, 
there's there's a real small almost like a symbolic hint um of what destiny is found because after this revelation daniel goes in tells the king everything you know and reveals the whole thing the entirety of human history but jeremy can you read because there's something really interesting that happens at the end of chapter two it's and it's really like a foreshadow it's like a hint at what, what's coming if you can see it can you read it to us brother jeremy in verse 49 yes then daniel requested of the king and he said shadrach meshach and abednego over the affairs of the province of babylon but daniel sat in the gate of the king praise god so isn't it interesting in chapter two it 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 it, it tells us their names are hananiah mishael and azariah right but after mm -hmm. the revelation after the unfolding of the dream when we get to verse 49, their names go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their Gentile names. And I think it's a small hint that the culmination of all this that we're about to enter into, we're going to see both the Gentile bride and Israel come together as one and receive their reward. Because notice it says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were set over the province of Babylon literally the whole world became <laughs> their uh their domain like jesus is going to put us in charge as the bible tells us uh of all things right when he returns and and and, and yes. daniel sits in sits in the gate of the king right so we see a hint there uh that we have we're going to have the gentile and the israeli church come together as one and be one man in christ you know so they passed the second test right and tomorrow we're going to conclude with chapter 3, which is the fiery furnace and the fourth man in the fire. The Lord is coming. The Lord yes. is soon to appear, right? So yes. let, let's prepare and let's let's learn lessons from these wonderful, wonderful saints of God who lived a life in their time uh, in order that we might learn from them in our time upon whom the ends of the world have quite possibly come. Amen. Go ahead, brothers. Finish Amen. it up. Any closing thoughts? Amen. Well, uh, Daniel 12, I think it's appropriate to close with those two verses. Uh, in verse um, 9 and verse 10. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and listen to this, and tried. We're talking yeah. about the test that these Hebrew children went through. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. Who are the wise? The ones that are being purified, made white, and are tried. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed by this Bible study. Um, as we continue to um, uh, head towards chapter 3 of the book of Daniel. Uh, and we pray that you have been blessed, that you would hear these things again if you need to uh, study these things in, in your own time. And, and I know God will speak to you. And we pray that you join us tomorrow. And as always, keep looking up.